Um, we, uh, we hope that you had a great Easter last weekend, and today we kind of want to talk about what comes next, what is after the resurrection. Uh, following the events that are described in the Gospels, the events about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, uh, the disciples had an important question to ask. What next? Um, and we have a similar question when we follow Jesus. It can be the, the culmination of a long journey of, of studying what the Bible teaches, of, of listening to the claims about who Jesus is and what he does for our life. And then following him, believing in, in his resurrection, receiving forgiveness and new life can leave us on this high... But then what comes after that? What follows the resurrection? It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite movies, a classic of American cinema, Finding Nemo. Uh, Finding Nemo, if you don't know, is about a fish who's traveling across the ocean to find his son who's been taken and put in a dentist's aquarium. And in there, he meets the tank gang, all of the fish who've lived in captivity, live in this tank, and are yearning to escape. And at the end of the movie, when all the other stuff with the main characters has happened, we cut back to the tank gang, and we've got a picture there to show you. Uh, They have this plot to get out of their tank in little bags, to roll out the window, down the awning, across the street, and into the bay. And they get there, and they cheer and celebrate, and then one goes, well, now what? And they don't know. They've never thought that far ahead. This is the farthest their planning has got. This is what everything they've been leading up to, escape and freedom finally. And they find themselves floating in a tiny little bag in a gigantic ocean, having no idea what comes next. Uh, that can be our feeling. Uh, we've gone through so much, and now what? The disciples, I think, felt this same way. The historian Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, which we've spent the last couple weeks And he continues in the book of Acts. He continues his story. And he wants to tell us that the story of Jesus does not end with the resurrection. It doesn't end in Luke chapter 24. It continues. And he also tells us that our story does not end when we decide to follow Jesus. There's more to our story after that. Luke is going to tell us what is next for followers of Jesus. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. The very beginning of the, the Acts of the Apostles, as it's often called... And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. So let's turn there and read together. This is what God's Word says. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering with many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And when they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Church, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. 
that you use to teach us about Jesus and teach us about what is next in our lives. Father, I pray that today the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable in your eyes. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus has a plan for his disciples. He knows what's next for them. And he tells them that they have a mission. They have work to do. That all followers of Jesus are witnesses. All followers of Jesus are witnesses. They are a part of something larger than themselves. They're not going to disperse and go on their own way. They have a mission to accomplish together. Now, Jesus has been with them for 40 days. So they've spent some time, over a month, with the resurrected Jesus, learning from him, uh, asking him questions, listening to him teach the Bible, which must have been amazing. And in their final time together, they have one more question for him. They say, Jesus, is this the time? Are you bringing the kingdom today? Is this the end, or when is that going to be? Which is a good question, right? They want to know the plan. They want to know where things are going. And Jesus answers in kind of a surprising way. He kind of tells them, it's none of your business. He says, it's not for you guys to know that question. You don't get that answer right now. And he redirects them. He tells them, what is their business? Their business is the plan for today. Their business is to focus on their mission. Jesus wants to make sure that they're not paralyzed by waiting for the end, but are energized for the mission that is at hand. Their mission that he's going to give them is outlined in verse 8. And that's where we're going to focus today. We're going to look at verse 8. Uh, and, and these are the final words that Jesus spoke on earth in bodily form since then. Uh, since that day, 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus has not been on earth as a human being and has not spoken more words. So this is really important that we listen to what he is saying, to listen what he has for us here. And so let's read again, Acts 1, 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a really clear and ambiguous message. That's probably why he put it last, so they didn't get anything else in the way. This is the thing to focus on. This is what is next for them. Um, And it's telling them what they must devote themselves to doing. It's not just for the 12 apostles. It's not just for whoever was there physically listening to him in that moment. It's for everyone. It is essential for being a follower of Jesus. We are to be his witnesses. And so what exactly is a witness? Sometimes you look up a word and you get a lot of insight, and other times it's exactly what you think it means. A witness is someone who's called to give testimony, right? It's pretty straightforward. It's a legal term. Uh, You can get called to tell what you've seen, called to speak about what you know publicly, You can get called before a court, um, called before uh, the public to speak about what you know. Um, This is what Jesus tells his followers they're to do. They're his witnesses. They've been called to the stand. And Acts 1-8 today is going to give us three ways that we are witnesses, three things that it means to be a witness for Jesus that we're going to look at. So first, we know that witnesses are to be credible. Witnesses are to be credible. Um, this gets the, uh, the essential idea of a witness, right? Um, if a witness is called to the stand, we want their testimony to be accurate. Um, we want them to discuss what they know, what they've seen, what they are an expert in. Their testimony should be consistent. It shouldn't change on the time and place. It should be the same thing each time. Um, their testimony should be faithful and public. It has to come out and, and not care about who's listening to them. It's, it's got to go out um, faithfully before other people so they can hear it. And they must stand by what they know to be true. All of these traits together make a witness credible. Now, what are they to witness to? What are they to speak credibly about? Well, primarily, they are there to speak about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. 
Now, these people who Jesus is talking to, they were there, right? They're the people who have gone with Jesus these three years. They've seen it with their own eyes, and now they get to go talk about it and explain what it means. A really cool part of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts is that Luke gives us a little insight into how he put these books together. He's not writing a story that seems really cool to him. Um, He's not even speaking about only the things he saw. Luke tells us that he meticulously went around. He interviewed people. He found the witnesses. He did the work. Um, He sat down for untold hours listening to the stories of these people who had been with Jesus. The people who were there when he calmed the storm. The people who were there eating the 5,000, you know, the food that's multiplied to the 5,000. People who stood at the cross when he died and people who touched his hands and his feet when he rose again. They were the eyewitnesses. Acts 1.13 shows that this is especially true of the resurrection. um, That Jesus was with them for 40 days, plenty of time, um, and that there were many proofs that he gave them of his resurrection. They ate dinner with him. They sat down with him. They touched his hand. This is not a, a, an aberration. It's not a hallucination. It's not a funny idea. This is real physical evidence that they saw. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this same idea. It says, this is the gospel, that Jesus appeared to Peter, and then to the 12 disciples, and then to more than 500 people at one time. That's a, that's a lot of people, right? That's a big deal. And he says, don't take my word for it. Go ask them. They're still alive. You can track these people down. You can verify this evidence. Um, this, is, um, this is really clear. This is embodied eyewitness testimony that they're seeing. So they know what they're talking about. The people who were there were to tell people what they saw and to tell people what it meant. And this all boils down to the gospel, right? What is the gospel? It's the story of Jesus and what it means that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died for our sins, that he rose again, and he provides a way for us to be saved, to be right with God. One pastor sums up the message this way. It says, Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. He dies to pay for our sins. He was resurrected, and now he is exalted in heaven. He calls us to believe in him and so receive the forgiveness of sins, and this is good news. This is the gospel. To be a witness of Jesus is to be a messenger of good news, one who proclaims the gospel. Now, if this is what they were speaking to credibly, we should ask a question, right? Uh, How can we do this? Because I was not there. You guys were not there. So we are not eyewitnesses. So how do we speak as witnesses for Jesus? Um, This is a good question, but there are two really good answers that Scripture gives us to how we today, you and I as the church, are witnesses to Jesus. First, we pass along the faithful, credible testimony of others, right? We have God's word written down. We have the written accounts of the first people, of the eyewitnesses that we can trust, that we can hold on to, and we can pass on and explain to others. So we testify to what is in Scripture. In the Old Testament, we have the prophecies and the promises that point to Jesus. And then in the New Testament, we have the fulfillment of those promises and the explanation of those promises and the eyewitness testimony of those who were with Jesus. And the Bible, it stands up to scrutiny. The Bible's been around for 2,000 years. You and I are not the first people to ask questions about it. For 2,000 years, it has stood up to academics studying it, to skeptics examining it, and the Bible stands. The Bible is a credible witness. Um, And so we can trust it. We can pass it on to others. And not only the human elements, but we believe that God has preserved his word for us. Um, Paul talks about this in his letter to Timothy. He says that God has ensured that all of Scripture is breathed out by him. It is his perfect word, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We can trust this testimony. We can trust the gospel message and give it to others. 
So we witness to what's in Scripture. But secondly, we are called to witness on behalf of what we've experienced, our encounter with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you've done more than just sign a statement of facts. You've done more than just accept a set of values that you might think are pretty good. You have met someone. You have encountered Jesus who is alive. You know Jesus. And so you have a real experience that you can speak to. This isn't some cold, dead doctrine. This is living, breathing relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. And so what is it to be a witness? It's to speak about how you've been saved, how you were dead, but now you're alive, how you've experienced that transformation, the forgiveness of your sins, the new life walking by the Spirit's direction, obeying what God has given us. We speak about things that we know. When the authorities saw the, the first Christians in the book of Acts, what we're going to get to, they looked at these guys and they looked at the way they lived and the ways they spoke and they said, you know what? These people have been with Jesus. And the people who know us should say the same thing. These people look like Jesus. They've been with him. All followers of Jesus are called to this, to be witnesses. We're called to witness and speak credibly about what we truly know what the gospel gives us, and what we have experienced in our lives. So witnesses are credible. Secondly, witnesses must be available. Witnesses must be available. Jesus says, where are you going to be your witnesses? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, when you're a witness to something in a, in a court or, or some formal capacity, you have to be available to go give testimony, right? If you just know it and you go off by yourself, it doesn't help anybody. It has to be um, available when they need it. You have to be able to show up and give that testimony. They must be ready to speak whenever and wherever they are needed. And this is what Jesus tells his witnesses in, in, uh, in, in this moment, that they must be available as well in order to give this testimony. And these places that he lists, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, they're geographic places, um, and they are spreading outwards in, in circles. They get wider and wider and wider as the gospel message goes out. Jerusalem is where they, where they were. They were outside Jerusalem. That's the home base. That's the center of Judaism and of and the place where Jesus died and where all of those things happened. And Judea is the country around them, the place where the Jewish people lived. Samaria, that's the next door neighbors. Those are people who used to be Jewish and they kind of adopted the, the Greek ways and were kind of looked down upon. They're kind of the black sheep cousins, um, the next door neighbor. And then the ends of the earth is exactly what it sounds like, everywhere else. The nations, uh, the Greeks, the Romans, uh, people they've never heard of before who are way out there. There's some church traditions that suggest that the, uh, the, the disciple Thomas went all the way to China or India, we don't know, um, to go out there. Um, it's not like, unlike us saying to your city and your country and the countries next door on our continent and then to everywhere on the globe, everywhere um, the followers of Jesus are supposed to be witnesses. But this list also represents different kinds of people, right? Jew, uh, Jews, Samaritans, Greeks, Romans, uh, the poor, the rich, the powerful, the weak, anyone they come across. The mission of Jesus to be witnesses is not to be ethnocentric. It's not to be elitist. It's to go out to all kinds of people. So witnesses of Jesus are available to speak to everyone, everywhere. Everyone and everywhere. Now, these people went, right? They were on a mission. We see that in the book of Acts. They are going. They are traveling. Paul goes all kinds of places on foot. He must have been exhausted. He, he put some miles on, right? And so, again, another question we ask this. Does this mean I need to hit the road, sell my house, buy a plane ticket, and head to somewhere, uh, I don't know, somewhere I've never been before, the far side of the globe? Uh, do I have to be uh, on a plane to be faithful to what Jesus tells me to be a witness? Well, not necessarily, but maybe. 
right? Not necessarily, but maybe. Jesus um, calls some people to stay. There are some Christians who never left Jerusalem. They continue to witness there. And there are other guys like Paul who are going everywhere. Jesus calls both. Some were sent out um, and some stayed. Paul writes in his letters that it was his ambition, his whole goal in ministry was to go to places where they'd never heard the name of Jesus. He said, they've never, been, they've never seen Jesus there? That's where I'm going, and I'm going as fast as I can. In the world today, there are more than 7,000 people groups who are classified as unreached. That means there's no church there. That means oftentimes there's no Bible in their language. It means there's less than 2% of them uh, know Jesus, are, are followers of Jesus. And many have never heard the name Jesus before, which seems unbelievable to us in, in America in the year 2021, that that could be possible. But that's more than 3 billion people, 40% of the world's population. They don't know. They don't have access. And so the witnesses of Jesus have much work to do today. Not all are called to go, but some are, Right? I don't think God has ordained that 40% of the people in our world would never hear about this testimony. And so, are we truly available for where God has called us to be witnesses? But more important than our location, whether we're staying or going or somewhere in between, is having the right heart. Being available is about having a missionary heart that Jesus had. This means that we earnestly desire, that we yearn for all peoples everywhere everyone to hear the name of Jesus, to hear the gospel. It means that we're eager to be loving witnesses to anyone, anywhere. Followers of Jesus um, must be dedicated to this mission. This must be part of it. We must be dedicated to bringing the gospel to our neighborhood and to um, the far side of the globe. Both of them have to go together. There are those of us who are really comfortable. You put us on a plane, you send me to a different country, and I'll share the gospel with anybody. I'm never going to see these people again. They maybe don't understand what I'm saying. Fine, I'm bold, right? But I go home, and I'm not going to talk to my brother-in-law. I see him every year. I'm not going to talk to my neighbors. They'll think I'm crazy, right? Sometimes we're bold when we're far away. And then there's the flip side, right? There are some people, man, they're sharing Jesus with the bench next to them. They're just talking about Jesus everywhere they go, to anyone they find, anyone who will listen. But man, I'm not going over there. That's a scary place. I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not crossing a border. Both of those have a problem, right? We have to be available here and there. We have to be available to the people we know and the, and the strangers who we don't know. Anyone, anywhere. There are several ways that we can cultivate a missionary heart, that we can grow this inside ourselves, that we can, that we can be a part of this mission no matter where we are. We partner with a couple different organizations as a church that help us do this. One of them is called the International Mission Board. It's a collection of churches that work together to send witnesses for Jesus all over the world. And they have three ways that anyone, you can do one of these three ways to be a part of the mission of Jesus as his witnesses to the gospel. They say, first, you can pray, right? You can pray for the people who are all over the world, people who are suffering, people who are working hard to bring the gospel. We can pray that they would have boldness to share the gospel. We can pray for their health, for their strength, for their families in difficult places. And of course, we can pray that the people who hear their message would respond in faith, that they would meet Jesus through their work. And praying does more. God, God works through prayer. Prayer does something, but it also changes us, right? The more we pray for the nations, the more we pray for the world, the more we will have a missionary heart as the Spirit molds us to have the heart that Jesus has. We can pray. Second, we can give. We can contribute to others who are able to go, who are in those faraway places and who have dedicated their whole lives to uh, being witnesses for Jesus. And we do this, our church has cooperated with missionaries who are in our city and in our state and all over the world. And, and your 
um, your contributions goes to those people, goes to help them, and goes to accomplish things um, that, that they couldn't do without us. We've even sent people, um, some of our own, Lito and Rosemary are, are from this church, and they are overseas now sharing the gospel, being witnesses to Jesus um, overseas. And this is a beautiful way we can partner together to be witnesses for Jesus. And then finally, we can go. I don't know what God has called for you. I don't, I don't even know what God has called for me tomorrow yet, totally. Like, he could tell me, send me somewhere else. I don't know. Um, but, uh, sorry, Kendrick, I'm not saying I'm leaving. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. Um, but some of us are called. And so perhaps God has called you to go. Maybe he's called you to go across the world, or maybe he's called you to go across the street. We don't know. We can pray we can give and we can go. But no matter how you do it, all Christians are called to be a part of this mission together. We need to be available to God's call no matter when it is. And we've got good news, guys. Uh, Calvary Church, it's easier for us than for some people, right? We live uh, right at the doorstep of Los Angeles. Uh, the Los Angeles area has more than 400 distinct people groups and people from countries, I don't know how many, maybe like 250, I, a lot of people, right, from all over the place. We don't have to get on a plane to go reach the nations. They're right here. We just have to go. We just have to be in our city and share the gospel. So witnesses must be credible. Witnesses must be available. And if we stopped right there, then all I've done is maybe made you feel a little guilty when you leave, right? Maybe make you feel like you've got this burden. We've got this three billion people in the world to go reach, and I can't do that, and I'm a bad Christian, and I just want to stay home. I'm uncomfortable, right? And I don't want to do that. The, the gospel message does not leave us burdened. It does not lead us just racked with guilt, right? Because there's more to being a witness, and, and on top of that, if we stop there, you couldn't do it anyway. Like, we can't do this. We can't just go be available. We can't go be credible on our own power. Witnesses must be empowered. Witnesses must be empowered. If you're a witness in a court case, you have to come and speak with the boldness that you have, right? Or you might have someone who's sitting in the audience there to support you, there to give you the courage to speak out. Christians aren't on their own. We don't have just the, the boldness. We don't have the power that's within us. Jesus promises that we have been empowered by his Holy Spirit. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We find our courage. We find the power to move and speak and go and give and pray in his Holy Spirit. The great news of the gospel and the really exciting thing about this mission, about what's next for us, is that God doesn't send us where he's not already going. God doesn't send us out on our own. He's going with us. Better yet, we're going with him. He hasn't just sent us off on this mission. I'm going up to heaven. You guys have fun. No, he is going. He is moving. He is at work. And he invites us to go with him in his power. And so you don't have to worry about being brave enough or strong enough or smart enough or having the best sermons or the best words or all the answers to the right questions. You don't. I don't. Nobody does. But the Holy Spirit does. He has every power. He has every resource that we need to be faithful, to be obedient, to be witnesses wherever we are. It's scary to go out of our comfort zone. It's scary to share Jesus. But we have the one who formed the universe, the one who made you and made the person you're talking to, who's with you, is empowering you. We can go out knowing that God is with us. The Spirit works to shine a spotlight on Jesus, right? He is always at work in his people. He leads us to faith in Jesus. He convicts us of sin, and he guides us into truth. He reminds us of the teaching of Jesus. He gives us the words when we're on the spot, and we have to share our testimony. It is the Spirit that unites us to Jesus, who saves us from our sin, who transforms our lives. And we need the Spirit in every single thing we do. We get off track when we think that we're ever doing anything on our own goodness, on our own strength, on our own boldness. No, it is the Spirit moving and acting through us. 
If we think that we're doing this on our own and we've been called to do it on our own, it's going to lead us to one of two things, pride or despair, right? Because then anything that you have that's a success, you're like, I'm great. Look at me. I did it. And anytime there's a failure, you think, I'm the worst. I've failed. Neither one of those is true. The successes we have are by God's power. And the things that seem failures, we're just being faithful to where God has led us and what God has shown us to do. Trust, church, that the Holy Spirit has empowered you and equipped you to be a witness, to be credible, to be available, and to speak with the power of God. Trust that he has placed you right where you are. It's not an accident where you are. It's not an accident the people you're with. God has put you there. One pastor sums all of this up in a way that I think is beautiful. He says that the ordinary people of God, equipped with the Word of God, dedicated to the Son of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, accomplish the mission of God. That's worth reading again. The ordinary people of God, equipped by the Word of God, dedicated to the Son of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, accomplish the mission of God. Amen. All of Jesus' followers are called to be witnesses. Now, so this is what Jesus tells us um, is next after his resurrection. This is where we go from here. All of his followers have a mission. We must be credible, we must be available, we must be empowered. And all of this put together, and all of this that we see in the rest of the book of Acts shows us that when we are his witnesses, we are continuing the mission of Jesus. We are continuing the mission of Jesus in our world. And that's the next slide, Donnie. Sorry. Jesus' witnesses continue his mission. Um, Luke gives us a lot of hints to this idea. In the intro of those first couple verses, he says, Before I wrote to you all about what Jesus began to do and teach. So who's finishing it, right? If Luke is what started, Acts is how it's finished. He also tells us about all of these times where Jesus gives him the instructions uh, to his followers about how to act like him, how to speak like him, how to do the things that he's doing. They are on the same work and mission that Jesus started. The book of Acts is not really the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the resurrected Christ through his people by the Spirit. This is about what Jesus continues to do in the world. Jesus um, ascends, but he is not absent. He is still working. So the witnesses, to continue his mission, they are to follow in the deeds and the words of Jesus. They are to follow his pattern of living and to follow his teaching. And this is essentially what it means to be a disciple. Someone who loves Jesus, lives like Jesus, and helps others to do the same. So we walk like Jesus. Our actions look like him. We follow his teaching and his commands. We look at his attitudes, his, his uh, uh, abilities to, to, to obey God in the situations that he found himself in. Um, and we do those same things. We are modeled, we are fashioned and transformed into the image of Jesus. We look more and more like Jesus. And all of this contributes to our witness, right? It's not just about our message. It's about the life that we live. It's about enacting Jesus in everything that we say and do. Jesus tells his followers that the number one way they will be recognized as his people is by their love. Do we love each other? Do we love the world around us? We live like Jesus. We also talk like Jesus. Our message is exactly the same. It's the message that the kingdom of God has arrived, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we proclaim. This should be what's pouring out of us at all times. We are people who are shaped by the gospel. We are people who are saved by the gospel, and we are people who live in the gospel. We never get past that. We speak Jesus' message and we enact Jesus' actions, and this is the role of a witness, of a disciple. Now, after these final words in Acts 1.8, where Jesus gives them the mission, what's next? To be witnesses, to be continuing his mission, Jesus ascends into heaven. 
He's raised up from them until he disappears in a cloud. And Scripture tells us that Jesus ascends to the Father's right hand, where he continues to aid us and he intercedes for us. And he is vindicated above all the, 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 his death and all of the sin that he took on our behalf. This is the final victory of Jesus. But his disciples, they're still standing on that hill, right? They're still there. They're still on earth. And they're still staring up in the, in the sky. They're just staring up there in the cloud, waiting like, is that it? Do we wait? And they're there so long that God sends an angel to be like, hey guys, uh, that was it. So it's time, we're wrapped. You guys need to go now, right? You've got a job. Uh, We can't just be stuck staring up in the sky waiting for God to move, right? We can't be stuck in our little plastic bag floating on a giant ocean. We gotta get out, we gotta go. The mission is here, it's time to get to it. The proclamation of the kingdom of God, the gospel message. This is what we have to get busy doing. This is the work that we've been given. And it's important, again, our faithfulness, our work, our going is not the thing that's going to make Jesus come again, right? Jesus isn't sitting around waiting, saying, I hope they do it so that we can finish this thing. No, we are working towards a kingdom, towards a mission that we are sure will happen. That's the second half of that angel's message, right? He said, he will come again in the same way he left. Jesus will come bodily. Jesus will come to earth physically Uh, And that will be the end. That will be when the kingdom is accomplished. And the kingdom is going to be accomplished by Jesus' work, by God's work. It is his mission that he is always about, and we are pulled into it. We join him joyfully in this mission. We will not complete it with our best efforts, with the perfect strategy, with uh, just the perfect gospel presentation, all of the right apologetics. No, it's by the Spirit, by Jesus and, and, and so we work, we obey, we act as witnesses in the freedom of knowing that it's not all on us, right? It's not up to us to make the kingdom come. We act with freedom because it's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus is already doing. One pastor said that we don't look for where to go. We look where Jesus is and we join him there. That's what it means to be a witness, to look for Jesus and to join him there. It's like a child being called up into what his father is doing, right? Uh, My son is uh, almost two, and he does not help me with anything that I would need to do. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. But he loves to join his dad in his work. The father doesn't need you in the slightest bit to do what he's going to do, but he wants you to join him in his work. And he pulls us alongside, and he does it with us. He does it through us. So that's not a burden. That's not this awful thing that I have to do. No, this is a a graceful, a beautiful, an astounding privilege that we have been called into, into the work of God in our world. So as we conclude here today, we say, what's next? Disciples of Jesus are his witnesses who continue his mission. They embody his words and his actions. They give testimony that is credible, available, and most importantly, empowered by his Holy Spirit. And we can leave our comfort zone. We can go out knowing that we are following King Jesus in his footsteps. We are getting to live and on mission with Jesus in our world. So, what's next for you? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we are thankful that you did not leave us in our sin. That's the beauty of the gospel, that you came for us. You did what we couldn't do, and you paid the penalty that we could never pay. You give us that chance to be saved, to be given new life in you, Lord. And we praise you for that. 
Father, we also praise you that you've not left us on our own after that, and that you draw us into this beautiful work that you are doing in the world. Father, we pray that your message would go out to the ends of the earth, and we pray that you would help us as, we, as you bring us along in that work. I pray that Calvary Church would be a church of witnesses who are glorifying you in our message and our words. Father, be with us as we go out. Help us to go in your spirit. Father, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.